This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. This is our post-game episode. For the first time in five weeks, we're coming to you after a Nittany Lions victory. 31 to 14, the final score in College Park. Penn State scoring the final 17 of this matchup to pull away from a contest that was tied early on in the fourth quarter. Jahan Dotson, of course, dazzling performance, doing all the heavy lifting here. 242 receiving yards, setting a school record, coming on 11 catches, three touchdowns. He had a 45 yard catch on the other scoring drive for this offense, which was a field goal drive in the fourth quarter. Had his hand in everything they did offensively, Sean. And then Jair Brown, uh, second time in Big Ten action that he's closed the door on an opposing quarterback with a red zone interception. This one taking it all the way back, 87 yards, putting the final touches on a 17-point win. Penn State back in that win column. And Jahan Dotson just making an absolute statement about where he stands in 2021 and where he stands all time in Nittany Lions football. Yeah, really remarkable performance. Uh, I think we we both expected a big game from Jahan this weekend. I don't know that we expected a record-setting game. Broke Deion Butler's single-game record for Penn State uh, having uh, yards in a game by a receiver. So pretty incredible there. Uh, you mentioned he had a hand in everything Penn State did on offense. He had a hand in everything good Penn State did on offense. Yeah. Um, he was he was spectacular. I mean, just uh, you can't say enough about his performance. Uh, when Penn State was tied 14 to 14, you kind of looked and thought, okay, this is this is basically the Illinois game playing itself out once again. And then you saw him streaking down the field for an 86, 87 yard touchdown. I don't know, they're both longer than I want to run. Um, so he, he was just incredible. Uh first down after first down, big play after big play. I don't think we appreciate how good Jahan Dotson is nearly enough on this show and in general, just because he's one of the top five receivers in program history. He showed it again tonight, um, and he showed it in the last two weeks because he's put up some major numbers. And I'll reiterate that his progression from where he was coming into this program to where he will be leaving the program is one of the more impressive ascensions I've seen on any college football roster in recent years. It's not to say he wasn't a four-star prospect because he was, but he was on the fringe of being a top 50 receiver in composite rankings, I believe, by the end of that process overshadowed in his own class by a couple other guys in the position, but, you know, came on strong as Mr. Consistency early. And then all the explosive traits really started to build up during his career and everything was on display because when you, when you now attach this athleticism, that ability that he has just really sharpened in his four years on campus with the precision that he brings and the professional approach that he already had at receiver. And that was kind of what made him special right off the bat, being able to contribute as a true freshman because he was very reliable those two things have married in a big way. He's taken it on as a, as a leader now with the program, and he has turned into just such a the, – the value you have gotten out of Jahan Dotson during his Penn State career is just so far and beyond where I thought it would be. And especially coming in as a member of that 2018 recruiting class, which had star after star after star, many of them listed ahead of him on those signing day rankings. 
you, you just think back and and we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago because he was at a camp in Jersey. Uh, Penn State did their satellite run that year where they were hitting up all these high schools and doing camps with other um, programs. He was at the camp. Art Sikowski, who is now one of the Illinois quarterbacks who's still recovering from the injury from the Penn State game, was there. Alan Walters was there thrown to him. John looked like a kid, just absolutely just looked like a little kid, except when he went and ran routes and just ran circles around everybody else. So you think about the development that he's put in in the last couple of years, and he's still a skinny receiver. He's still a guy that when he's going to be talked about as one of the top receivers in the draft, as he should be, they're going to come back on his frame. They're going to come back on all these slights and, and try and pick holes in his game. But then you go out and watch him catches everything. I, I We talked about this last week. Um, the plays that he doesn't come up with, you're, you're surprised, even if it would have been a spectacular catch, because he has made that play so routinely. And just everything that he does is just routine. Um, it's so much fun to watch. It's such a big part of this offense and you don't want to play the where would they be without him but him coming back for this year put them in a position to be where they're at right now it's just remarkable to get him back uh for this team and, and you're right you don't want to play that game right now uh for this penn state offense and, and and when i think about dotson just quickly going back to some of the roots of his recruitment and where he was I was at maybe the second, third game of his junior year. Remember, he was at the Petty School that year um, in between his finishing and starting his career in Pennsylvania. And I remember watching him play, but you're right. He, he didn't. He didn't jump off the field out there like some elite athlete. You knew he had the Power Five offers already. He was early on in his junior year. I think Penn State had already offered at that point. But you have some questions. The forty-yard dash that that didn't really confirm things for you. And just like I think a week after I, I saw him play his junior year, he had a significant injury and was lost for the season. Uh, so I really didn't know. I kind of put Jahan Dotson on the back burner with that 2018 recruiting class. He surfaced pretty quickly. Ends up starting games. Never did I think it would get to the point where he's going back-to-back -back weeks, 11 catches. Here is the stat sheet from the last two games combined, Sean. It's really remarkable. Uh, two games on the road in the Big Ten, Ohio State last week, Maryland this Saturday. 22 receptions, 369 receiving yards, three touchdowns through the air. He had the rushing touchdown at Ohio State. And you saw a lot of people making statements today. A lot of people who know what they're talking about saying, it's we really need to start calling this guy the best player in or the best receiver in college football. Or if you're calling somebody else that you need to put Jahan Dotson in, in the conversation. Just to be in the conversation is incredible because yes. you're never going to line these guys up beside each other and, and see who's the top. I mean, you look at the Big Ten today. David Bell was phenomenal once again against the top five team. Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I said I think is the most talented Ohio State receiver, had 15 catches. So yep. these guys are just going out there and, and, and balling out. And it's been really incredible for that group. And um, for, for Dotson, and, you know, just on his own, he's he, he's really developed into, you know, a mid-second day pick into that first round conversation. We will see how he tests we'll see how he continues to, to bounce back but those numbers that you just shared with us are pretty ridiculous because he's absolutely going out there and, and and playing some incredible football right now once again 11 catches 242 yards three touchdowns including that big big one that just blew it didn't blow the game open but really really uh covered the wound for penn state after giving up that touchdown that two-point conversion John Dotson, by the way, entered today as the Big Ten's receptions leader. He's now got 71 catches, 932 yards, and nine touchdowns receiving here in 2021 through the first nine games. And 
uh, certainly going to be fun to watch how it stacks up for him in the draft next year. Because, by the way, that 4-3-3, 40-yard uh, dash that, that is looming from last winter, if he comes close to confirming that on a bigger stage in front of NFL scouts, look out for his NFL draft stock. But going back to this passing game as, as a whole, clearly Sean Clifford leaning on Jahan Dotson in a big way. He goes over 350 yards through the air. A lot of explosive plays, but, but really the first explosive play through the air before we talk about some of the others for Jahan Dotson, including the 86-yard touchdown that gave them a lead for good. Keandre Lambert-Smith came up with a 30-yard reception on the play before Jahan Dotson got open for that 38-yard catch. This was a matchup where Maryland was playing uh, you know, cover zero, and they said, all right, we're not going to supply that support deep. What do you got? And we saw Penn State take a lot of shots, uh, 52 pass attempts. Or, I'm sorry, uh, less than that. That was last week, 47 pass 47 attempts for Sean Clifford. Week, yeah. So not much less, but 47 pass attempts coming off a 52 pass attempt performance at Ohio State. So asking Sean Clifford to heave it, 20 incompletions today. That's, that's a lot for him compared to where he's been from an accuracy standpoint. But you figure Maryland's going to let you take your shots. You should take them. And no turnovers today. It's not like Clifford was throwing those balls errantly into coverage. He was taking those shots toward the end zone, toward the sideline. Didn't connect on all of them, but the ones they connected on, they were 35-plus yards, and they were backbreakers for the Maryland Terrapins. He had a couple of good throwaways. He, he did get close to, to getting a pick. I think it was on the second drive of the game. Hit The uh, the guy made a nice break on the ball, hit him in the chest. But, uh, yeah, just not – um, you know, not the sharpest game that he's had. Uh, you think back to some, even the first drive, Penn State went three and out. Um, you know, a little bit high to Parker. I think it was Parker Washington there on the first two drives. The they went down. three and out. Yeah, yeah, that was that was not ideal. I mean, you you go three and out once against Ohio State, and you come out the first two drives against Maryland. You think, oh oh boy, here we go. So, yeah. um, they, they were able to bounce back. Clifford, yeah, just I mean, he's he's not the guy that's going to go out there and and come you know convert. 30 or 35 or whatever it's going to be um, because he he's a guy that needs to create and do some things like that. And, and I don't think his, his level of creativity or his accuracy when he's on the run is as good as it used to be. I don't know what has changed, but I'm sure the injury probably has something to do with it. There were a couple balls that he floated to Parker Washington. And you think about, uh, you know, a couple of these throughout the season where he, or throughout the, the 2019 season where he completes that ball just over the defense and you get a big play out of it. Those aren't hitting right now for whatever reason. Um, Parker Washington also, what did he, what did he have? Two catches for 16 yards today um, on uh, eight targets, which is very, very out of character for Parker Washington. I don't, I don't know if he wasn't seeing the ball well. He just, he looked off all day. Did have a, a big first down pickup there in the second half, and that was uh, the, certainly extended the drive and helped Penn State's four minute offense. But uh, you know, I don't think he was himself. But going back to Keandre Lambert Smith, he did have the big drop, but he did also have the big play that set up the touchdown. And the thing that you're seeing here on a trend with Keandre Lambert-Smith is now four straight games where he's got a 20-plus yard reception for Penn State. In five of the nine games this year, Sean, he's got a 30-plus yard catch. Uh, you're getting everything you could ask for from wide receiver three. Today, he was more like wide receiver two. You're right. It was out of sync with Parker Washington. But you saw a lot of guys involved in this past game. The running backs were heavily involved. A couple catches for, for uh, Kevon Lee, including a 13-yard gain. Uh, Noah Kane had a 16-yard gain uh, through the air. Going to talk about those running backs in a moment. But Theo Johnson had a key 17-yard gain on a third and 15 situation. Um, so spreading the wealth, Malik Mega, a, a name that we have mentioned here in Fairly recently on the podcast is someone to watch in that wide receiver room. Second year player was injured during training camp, six foot four, 200 pounds, fast, can run straight line speed. Came out there, he got his first career catch, a three yard gain. And so it remains a name to know, but it, it was obviously 
front loaded as usual, but you got to like the way it was spread about 242 for Jahan. And I think everybody else had about 120, but there was some involvement. And I thought that was particularly important on third down as Clifford was able to spread the ball in key situations, 10 of 18 today on third down. That is the second consecutive week in which they are over 50% on third down. And that is just a tremendous swing of the pendulum from where they were prior. And it's pretty, it's pretty crazy when you consider their average distance to go was 8.2 yards there. So um, four for four on third and shorts. Um, obviously, we can we can talk about the fourth and short uh, that did not work. But the third down conversions, um, very impressive the last couple of weeks. They've, they've gotten where they need to be. Uh, Clifford, nine of 16 for 119 yards on third downs. Um, and, and for their 10 conversions, eight of them were by the by the pass, which won't surprise anybody. But at, at the same time, did a really, really nice job extending drives, doing what they had to do. And, and that's really been the difference in the last couple of weeks is that you're keeping your defense off the field. You're doing some good things in, in that manner and and just extending plays, extending drives, getting yourself where you need to be. There's a big third down. I think it was Keandre Lambert Smith that picked up the big third down. You talked about the the big gain, but the big third down that he picked up that was a just a six or seven yard gain. Still those plays are huge. They add up and they get just time after time they add up. And uh, you know, that's eventually one of those things that 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 broke Maryland. It's not so much that Jahan Dotson was going to be involved, but you give them enough chances to get Jahan Dotson involved, he's yep. gonna he's gonna kill you. And Jahan Dotson's involvement hasn't necessarily been the problem. It has been Jahan Dotson's the efficiency of getting that ball in his hands when you're targeting him. And that was not an issue today. According to the official stat sheet, just breaking it down here, and, and targets are a little tricky coming right out of these games with the stat sheets. But what we've got in front of us, Clifford, 16 of 32, Sean, when targeting everybody else, 11 of 15 when targeting Jahan Dotson. And obviously, three touchdowns coming by way of looking in that direction as well. I mean, just, just what a get on my back, let's get a win and go home performance from Jahan Dotson. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, we could sit here all day and talk about Jahan Dotson. We probably <laughs> should as a, you know, you're certainly let's do it again Monday. Let's, let's just yeah. pencil it in, do it again Monday. <laughs> we'll come back and, and confirm that Jahan Dotson is really good at football <laughs> after looking at the tape. Uh, by the way, 11 targets to running backs today, uh, four targets to Theo Johnson, zero to Brenton Strange, which is a surprise. I know they tried to, to work him in on some of those motion across the uh, formation and get him into the flat, but it just was not there. Um, but just a surprising number because Brenton Strange has been a pretty big part of this passing attack. But going back to what I said, 11 targets for the running backs. Obviously wanted to get them involved to make that passing game an extension of the run game. The run game was a little better today, but nothing worth writing home about. Um, it, it's it's another way to get those guys involved, and we saw a lot more from Noah Kane. This was a true kind of rotational approach where they where they stuck with it uh, series by series, and it, it ended up with everybody being involved. And the two guys that we had focused in coming into the week, Noah Kane, Kevon Lee, and coming off the conversation with Jaywan Sider, running backs coach for this team on Thursday. Those guys are in the spotlight for different reasons. Can can Kevon Lee figure out how to play running back and use his skill set to his advantage? Can Noah Kane escape the mental ghosts that have been stuck with him and, and break through some physical barriers coming off an injury? I don't think you saw anything definitive, and but you saw a step forward, and, and we've been looking for any sign of that from this rushing attack. Kevon Lee, eight carries, 50 yards. That's a 6.3 average. Went for 15 on one of those plays. I mentioned he had a 13-yard reception. That was on the same possession, Sean. 13-yard catch, 15-yard run from a running back in the same possession. That's unheard of right now in 2021. And Noah Kane, uh, he had a really big possession in this matchup. The one that ended the in at the 33-yard line, I think, for Maryland. And they brought in Tyler Warren. They, they dialed it up, what I've been calling for, on fourth and short. And it didn't work. And Tyler Warren was, was stuffed be, before he could get that first down. 
Noah Kane, that series, seven touches, almost 40 yards. Uh, I think on the game he ended up, I'm looking here, 14 touches for 63 yards. Uh, I, I, you know, it's nothing like nothing that is going to steal the headlines, but it is, again, a step forward for Noah Kane. Interestingly enough here, the, the least efficient out of the three guys involved heavily in the rotation was John Lovett, who got his first start in a Penn State uniform. Seven carries, 24 yards. I think on the first possession, he lost like seven Ooh. total yards because he yeah. caught a, He like worked really hard to catch a pass behind the line of scrimmage. So not his best day, even though he got the start. But hey, signs of life from from Noah Kane, good for him. And, and Kevon Lee asserting himself a bit. And like you said, Penn State dialing these guys up in the past game. This was more of a vocal point, this running back group, than they've been for a long time. I, I'm probably looking back to the Indiana game, which is the last time this team won a game. The, the seven-yard loss on the first drive was just like – I know it's easier to, to criticize, sit here and criticize because you're not in the in the heat of the moment, but he was basically on the ground and caught the ball, um, put him right behind the sticks once again, and, and they didn't they were unable to recover. Um, so But, yeah, I mean, you look at Penn State's run game and running backs by extension, of course, uh, this season, and you'll take what you can get and you'll take baby steps, and they were they were not a liability today and certainly not a standout or anything like that. And I don't – you haven't written down here about the the best running back game since Indiana. I mean, I'm not gonna really waste time talking about that because it still needs to be better. It's still not where you need to be. You should not be lining up fourth and one and a half with Tyler Warren back there because you don't have the confidence that a running back can get the the, the short yardage. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of where that's kind of the microcosm of where this this whole thing is at, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you're going out there running a tight end out there, and and it's worked before, no doubt about it, but you're really limiting your playbook. You're really limiting yourself and, and what you can do. And what you're saying is you don't have the confidence that those guys can't get you a yard. And that's going to have a ripple effect on the rest of the offense. And, and we saw that today because that could have been a, uh, a very, very uh, bad turning point for Penn state, Maryland, not quite able to capitalize on that, but still at the same time, if you're running a third string tight end out there, um, there's, there's some stuff you can do, but you should be able to get a yard without that. And, and a lot of the production that I went through with those running backs occurred in the first three quarters and almost entirely um, what you saw in the fourth quarter was kind of not, not getting to the end of the storyline. And that's a great thing. If you're J1 Sutter, you didn't get exposed to it. Maybe these guys would have come through, but you didn't have to rely on a four minute offense to, to kill the clock and, 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 and conserve a, uh, you know, a late lead in this matchup. It didn't come down to that. Uh, you had Jair, Jair Brown coming up with a pick six to put this one away. Um, you also had Jahan Dotson when this game got tied. And you said, can you find some balance offensively, take some of the pressure off Sean Clifford, get a drive going? Well, two plays later, Jahan Dotson goes 86 yards, and, and you figured that out really quick, and you took the lead. So it, it's like three quarters of, of positive momentum was generated, I think, overall, comparatively, relatively speaking, about the running back room. And then the fourth quarter, you can say they got bailed out by by Jahan Dotson and Jair uh, Brown, or you can say Penn State just played complimentary football. But it was not a finished storyline. Where this it didn't really end up hinging in the running back success. Um, and there have been times this year where they could come through in the fourth quarter, probably not talking about a loss, and it just didn't come down to that in this case. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, you 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 still want more out of it. Penn State had two carries over ten yards today. Um, that's 
not you know what Penn State fans have been accustomed to yeah. over the years. Um, but given where this the, where this rushing game has been, you'll take that. Kevon Lee had a big 11 yard carry there in the uh, in the set in the fourth quarter as you're trying to run your four minute offense with about 10 minutes left to go. And this Maryland uh, defense look look back at recent games. It's not like it, this is not really the litmus test for if you're trying to take stock in the running back market for Penn State in the next three weeks. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with that. Um, but they got it done. They did. They did. You know, this is our win as a win podcast as we have grown to come to. I mean, just <laughs> yes. watching this game, I was sitting there and thinking, what kind of metaphor do you make up for a game like this? And uh, of course, I went back to drinking as I often, not as I often do, but as I sometimes do it. Like this game is kind of like the you know the anti hangover. So you you go out at night, you 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 have a good time, you feel really great. And then you wake up the next morning, you don't feel great. I mean, watching this team is for four quarters, you feel pretty bad. And then they can go out and make you, uh, make you feel better about yourself with a pick six and running away from it. You cover, um, which I didn't really see that one coming, but, uh, they did a really nice job with that. So you feel a little bit better, but you're still going to have a bit of a headache coming out of that. So, um, I, I, I don't know if that's the right metaphor, but just to watch this game for three, three and a half, three and a quarter quarters, um, Penn State's got some work to do to, to, to sort of right this ship. When you said you were trying to come up with a metaphor and, and you just went right to drinking, I figure you just said, skip the metaphor. I'm going to start drinking, which, you know, it, it, it's an issue. That, that, that really got the, you know, I would have a job done yes. if I did that. Yeah. I'd imagine some <laughs> of our listening, listening audience adopted that approach during this matchup. And, and, and Sean, when I, when we look over at the defense, it's another podcast here. Where we're not getting to the defense quickly enough, but uh, we didn't think that Maryland would be able to run the ball. They didn't. They were held under 50 rushing yards in this matchup. We talked about it on the pregame show. It's going to come down to these two passing attacks. Maryland shorthanded in that department. Dante Demas is a special player that they don't have. John Dotson's a special player that they do have, and, and they have other weapons. That that won the day, but I think defensively, the story is, again, red zone success. Two of five where the Maryland Terrapins are producing points and trips to the red zone. They had that one trip where they got to like the 18 yard line and then a disaster struck on third down. They lost 18 yards and a loss of down. There was a, a intentional grounding call against Tagovailoa. So that was one example, but then there were two turnovers, an errant snap that Jair Brown jumped on uh, after it bounced around the backfield for the Terrapins that was in the red zone. And then Jair Brown came up with another takeaway and, and jumping the route and going 86 yards and, and or 87 yards, I'm sorry, and closing this one out. So, Already came into this matchup as the most efficient red zone defense in the Big Ten, I believe, in Power Five football, if I'm not mistaken. Two of five today for Maryland. Those were their 14 points, and, and Penn State actually produced uh, points off of those red zone defensive opportunities. Yeah, and they actually got some help from the offense. So yeah, I'm sure they're feeling a little bit better about that that offensive attack than they have in the last three weeks. So that's been uh, that that was good to see the turnovers. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say they were coming, but you know that was one of those things. Brisker had a pick uh, a couple of plays before that that was negated by a uh, a Joey Porter holding call. So it seemed to be coming along. Uh, Tonga Vailoa, we said very hot and cold. I th he thought he looked really good today. We saw um, both today. Did, a little. We saw a little bit of both. We did see a little bit of both. Uh, Forty-one of fifty-seven, three hundred seventy-one yards. When you throw that much, probably going to get yardage totals like that. Touchdown and the pick, but uh, yeah, the pick is what did it. Jair Brown racing the other way. Uh, haven't seen too many of uh, too many as smooth as that. I mean, he swooped right in and he was gone. I mean, when he caught that ball. 
he was gone. I mean, there was nobody that was going to touch him, and that, that makes you feel pretty pretty good about that. But that de- this defense came up uh, came up big once again. The safeties were good. I thought Brandon Smith played a pretty good game. Um, you know, would like to take another uh, another look at that, but I thought he played a good game. Arnold Abikati had a sack. They did not have uh, Jesse Lucetta. Jonathan Sutherland also didn't play, which meant Jalen Reed was pushed into action for his fourth game of the season. So a um, bunch of different guys stepping up. Derek Tangelo was involved in, uh, as well. Um, you know, you, you thought you thought the worst when he went down early in the game, but he was able to come back. Um, so th- there's a bunch of guys that really stood out uh, for, for Penn State's defense, and that's kind of been the story of the season. You, you said we we took so long to get to them. We've kind of taken them for granted as the side that's going to carry things, and then we'll you know we'll speak up on the offense and figure out what's trying or try and decipher what's going on what's great, what's bad, all that kind of stuff. So the offense kind of is going to, is going to share the, uh, the space here. Um, but the defense, once again, did what they did. Uh, they made some adjustments. There were a couple drives where, where Tonga Vilo was just really, really good and really on and, and Penn state, uh, was playing that zone and he found the spots in the zone. But, uh, in the end they made the plays they had to make. Uh, they got a little bit lucky with that snap that, that, that Brown was able to, to, to hop on as well. But sometimes that's what happens when you have a good defense. Yeah, uh, Jair Brown, four interceptions this season. That's a it's an impressive number at safety for Penn State over the years. I I can't think of a total uh, at this point in the season. Spe- uh, specifically, four interceptions is a big number for him. Uh, and the other takeaway today as well, Brandon Smith, who you mentioned, two and a half uh, tackles for loss uh, each in the first half. I thought in terms of first halves, uh, this was about as good as we've seen Brandon Smith coming out of the gates and playing in a matchup um, and standing out, looking like a difference maker. Um, and and Jaquan Brisker. I, I mean, you talked about. The that, that interception being wiped off the board, but another tackle for loss where he comes flying in just seems to show up on the field where, where eliminating opportunities in space and that the play of that tandem, Jaquan Brisker, Jair Brown, we've talked a lot about uh, Jaquan Brisker, maybe what he's done for his draft stock, uh, sticking around for an extra year with that eligibility. And I know we've talked about Jair Brown, you know, guys, we, we think he'll be back next year, but game by game by game, I, I wonder about this Lackawanna tandem. If, if they might be both headed for professional football because Jair Brown's come and he played and he's lived up to what we've heard in the preseason. It's been fun watching this tandem play. And I think Penn state fans specifically can appreciate what that looks like, the communication, the cohesion at that safety position for these two starters. And, and I think he's, he's probably better than, than we expected in the off season. We talked about that, um, that really just all, off season long, could they find a safety to pair with Brisker? And obviously Brown's done a tremendous job to fill in. You mentioned the turnover numbers. Uh, this defense as a whole, we, we talked about how Penn State won the day with third third down conversions going 10 of 18. Maryland was four of 15, yep. right? 20, 27%, uh, three of 10, excuse me, three of 10 for 26 yards. Uh, passing on third down, that's where you get it done. You know, Penn State's defense was able to step up, uh, sort of clamp down, and and maybe you're playing with some some bend but don't break within a four down set, and that's really uh, that's really how Penn State was able to get them out. And what was it five five drives, five punts to start the game? Um, you know, the defense once again we're going to probably crack down on some of those passing numbers, 371 yards, but at the same time. They had a lot of oppor- opportunities to do so, and and you know this this defense once again, fourteen points should be able to get it done in a Big Ten game. And this time, fortunately for Penn State, they were able to do that. And I'll tell you what, fifty-seven pass attempts 
the longest completion for Maryland, 20 yards. A couple 20-yard completions, nothing beyond that, and ultimately held to nine yards per pass completion. Penn State in that department, about 13 and a half yards per pass completion between Sean Clifford and his receivers, most notably, and, of course, Jahan Dotson. Yeah, and they got they got some help with some drops. I'm not, you know, you can't. You oh, can't, Maryland, uh, sure, yeah, yeah can't absolutely. sugarcoat that. Maryland, Maryland in a in a position that they are as the team that's trying to pull the upset can't have those drops. The the um, yes the the center exchange in which turned into a fumble. The, that's the margin of error. And if you if you're not the more talented team, you can't have that kind of stuff. And you know, there, I'm sure there would be guys kicking themselves for for mistakes like that all night. Conversely. The storyline in College Park is yet another game. The opportunities there, Maryland can find some kind of springboard and they fall short. They get in their own way. They stumble, they bumble. That's a topic that they have to cover down there in College Park. But for Penn State to go down there, pick up this win, James Franklin works the recruiting scene down there a little bit while they're making the trip. And you come back home and you no longer have to hear all offseason that you lost to the Maryland Terrapins the year before. Yeah, that's a, ter- a territorial war right there. And as I said in the podcast earlier this week, some not very nice things back and forth from that. Uh, you know, just that, that that's recruiting. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I would don't get offended by it. It's kind of how it works with every with everybody. Um, but they, you can bet that there there are people that have heard about this one since the end of the game. So um, continue to assert yourself as you know when you're the dominant program in the region, you can have to continue to to assert yourself as that. And um, a win like this, while it's not fifty nine to nothing, you know, it's it's still going to look uh, look pretty good in the box score. You know, on Monday morning, Penn State improved to six and three. The Michigan Wolverines are coming to town next Saturday. And by the way, Michigan right now up on Indiana 29 to seven. So it looks like they're well on their way to eight and one. Michigan State getting upset today by Purdue. Purdue seems to pull this off every few weeks. And uh, you know, the Big Ten East is shifting. It's not thrusting Penn State back into contention, but some matchups here in November to kind of dictate how the narrative goes. So we get toward December and postseason possibilities. And uh, from five and three, to, you can really create something uh, that looks a lot different here in the next few weeks, starting with this win. But, Sean, it was uh, a mess at the end of the first half. And if this game flips and, and Maryland pulls off the win, we're talking about a lot of things differently. And we're probably leading off with them leaving points off the board potentially at the end of the first half, which James Franklin explained it was the first or second thing brought up in the post game, as you'd imagine. Um, and he basically described it as they wanted to get to the locker room and make their adjustments. They gained more yards than they anticipated. They had a conversation and they said, no, we're still going to take our timeouts uh, and go to the locker room. And, and of course, Maryland comes out and gets the ball to start things off in the third quarter. Yeah, Franklin often talks about what the middle eight or whatever the last four minutes of the yeah. uh, of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half, and Penn State lost <laughs> lost that one decidedly. Um, but yeah, it is funny because we, we talk about the run game, and that's kind of where they padded their stats. So they added. 25 30 yards something like that on the ground um yeah just just a lack of confidence there i feel like you know i know he wanted to get to the locker room make those uh changes and things like that um it almost feels to me like you're coaching not to turn the ball over you you don't want to give up that big splash play and i get that but at the same time that's a lack of assertiveness that you probably don't want on your program as a whole um, so I think that that's concerning right there, just kind of watching how that played. And then Maryland came out and, you know, as, as tweeted about it. It, it. it felt like you were handing them confidence. You're trying to, you know, get them in the right direction. Obviously, that's not the, not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but Penn State was playing on their heels. They were playing like they were expecting something bad to break at some point and just kind of went with it. Um, so I 
don't like that approach. I don't know what the analytics say about where they were on the field and all that kind of stuff. Um, but really not taking a chance to put the points on the board could come back and bite you. And, and luckily for Penn state, it didn't. And, and by the way, there were four possessions that reached that preceded that, that reached Maryland territory and Penn state only produced points on one of those possessions uh, that, that touchdown drive. They had the Tyler Warren stop short on fourth and goal. And then they had two punts from Jordan stout from the 42 yard line, which is just like, ugh, what a terrible way to end a possession. It, it wasn't like a, th- a fourth and sh- short situation. I think it was fourth and 10 and fourth and 12. And they sent out stout the punt, but it was like, can Penn state survive this the way they're playing right now to, to have four trips into Maryland territory and seven points to show for it at halftime. This thing was rolling in the wrong direction coming out of the half to Penn state's credit. They were able to right the ship and overcome that. And we didn't get it to it until after 20 minutes of this podcast. So that's the way it goes. When you win games, James Franklin understands that Sean, what do we got left? Uh, Anything else in the tank to get out on this episode? Jordan stout human after all Um, he was punting from his, from the 42 yard line. So you weren't going to see the booming punts, but he shanked one. Uh, in the fourth quarter, and he said, "Oh my gosh, uh, you know he hasn't done much to remind to, to make you kind of look toward his direction and say what happened there." Uh, and then also, oh my gosh, the first kickoff return against Jordan Stout. We had to wait all the way to November. Worth the wait though. It was a twelve-yard gain, so it worked out for Penn State. Yeah, you you wonder if those kickoff guys are just like running down there, not expecting to for any contact or anything like that, and all of a sudden they come out and and stop Maryland at the twelve yard line. So good on them for for continuing the hustle and everything like that. Uh, yeah, Stout's human. He, it is what it is, but he's still a phenomenal uh, specialist. And um, I mean, we're we're going to criticize that. I, I think that's probably is only shank punt this year or maybe one of a couple of shank punts this year and he was not great last year, last year. And he, was he was not, not good yeah. he was not, not good, good last year yeah not good um, really yeah this time he, he did a really nice job um penn state even got uh some some hidden yardage in there with with Hartlob taking the block in the back that they you know he got flagged for the interference but they they pulled that one it was a pretty obvious block in the back but you'll you'll have that so um yes yeah, so, so jordan stout even in his bad games continues to to, to, to really do some good things Four seconds into the fourth quarter, it was 14-14. The final score, 31-14. The Nittany Lions win. Come on home. Play Michigan, who comes in again. I think looks like they're going to be a one-loss squad. Another challenge for Penn State, but a chance for them, again, to change the narrative after a really rough October. This is a starting point for them here in November, now 6-3 and three on the season. For our producer, Lance Glenn, and co-host Sean Fitz, we'll be back with you Monday. We'll take another look at this game turn our attention back to the recruiting trail and to the next matchup against Michigan. I'm Tyler Donahue. We'll see you soon here on the Lions 24-7 podcast.